This is Kevin. And this is Ron. And this episode of Your Valuable Home is brought to you by Provia. Provia, a faith-based company that makes entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and metal roofing, all of incomparable quality. Welcome to Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast for listeners who believe that residential real estate is the way to build wealth. Hi, I'm Kevin Kennedy, a working contractor and host of Your Valuable Home. Your Valuable Home is for homeowners and investors alike who want to acquire and improve real estate based upon educated decisions. And I'm Ron Milk, Your Valuable Home producer and co-host. Our weekly one-hour podcast is not about doing it yourself. It's about hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. And it's not about flipping. It's about buying and holding to build wealth. Homeowners and investors who strive to create wealth and financial freedom with real estate and avoid costly home improvement mistakes. Your valuable home is for you. The Project Replay made redoing our kitchen and bath trouble-free. Your horror stories have kept us from hiring the wrong contractors. The college segments have taught us how to keep toxins out of our home, what to look for in replacement windows, how to borrow sensibly against home equity, and more. College teaches investors like me how to freshen up my rentals without spending a fortune. Their suggestions are great for ROI. It's time for Your Valuable Home. Okay, Kev, we talked about today how our listeners can pick up on contractor scams before they can become horror stories, correct? Is correct. Okay, good. Yeah, so what I was thinking to myself when I, I spoke to one of our listeners before, and he was talking about how contractors can get away with just lying and how they scam people to try to be able to sell the job. The bottom line is contractors or roofers are trying to sell you, no matter how they do it, whether it's against it's not the, just contractors, man. It's, it's, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I encounter a lot of that stuff today. What I know is about in the contract world. And mm-hmm. so we're in Pennsylvania. So I decided to put a little test out. What was funny about it, I know we talked about with, cause my name is technically on it, uh, but some people don't know me, but my sister-in-law saw it. She's what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm just trying to gather some information for the show. So I want to be able to point out how the lies are in place. Cause I have them here. I already sent them to Mike Bannon and what they're trying to do to get the money from you is if they'll lie, cheat, steal, do whatever they take to get the job. But in the state of Pennsylvania, the HECPA, the Home Improvement Consumer Protection Act right. says we can't do that. Who's policing them from these lies to sell homeowners. That's what I started to get into, but I wanted to make sure that again, I'm not going to mention any names. As I put it out there, I was looking for windows and doors. Could somebody recommend me somebody uh, that's going to be good enough that met my criterias on exactly what I was looking for? I wanted somebody that's going to be doing the work themselves, an owner. I want somebody that's not subbing out. I want somebody that's going to do the right job, blah, blah, blah. Not many responses right away, but it was mostly contractors trying to write in and say, hey, I can do your job. So the one I actually first I started working with, I mean, he seemed pretty decent uh, talking about, it, but I said, I still like to see your work and you doing the work. See, not many people want you on their job. And I said, listen, I don't want to enter the property. I just want to drive by, see you there with your guys, one's physically doing the work. End of that conversation. Then somebody else chimes in saying, hey, listen, uh, we're a small company. Uh, We're going to be able to do the work. I'm the one doing the work. And as I started checking out more and more and more, and uh, I said, well, listen, can you send me photos of the jobs that you're working on, I would like to see during progress so I can inspect exactly what you're doing, whether it's going to be windows or siding or roofing. Like, I want to see the applications. Everybody shows before and after, but what's the most important thing of any job? Prep. So if you do a job wrong underneath, the siding facade that you put up, if it's not properly flashed or Tyvek under there or the windows are improperly installed or could have been done better, isn't that a little bit more important than just throwing some siding up? Everything has a beginning, you know? So if, you, if, if it's not right in the beginning, it's definitely not going to be right at the end. 
and that's why I, I, and I said it numerous times, either on the show or, or putting this out here, then because uh, somebody sent me some pictures during, and I, I was questioning the work that they did. And once I questioned the work they did, again, that lead got quiet because you can see they're gung ho. They think they have the job. So I'm asking them questions. And then I dropped the anvil on them and say, hey, here you go. I need a little bit more information. Let's talk about it. And once I seen that, the workmanship wasn't bad. Then I can't put that photo on because it has his name on it. It was horrible. And I was pointing it out to even like my guys, or I, I remember talking to you about it, of all the things that were done wrong. And what is going to happen is in future, because if you start something wrong now and you frame it wrong or you, you put it on wrong, you'll start to notice down the line, the course of time, how it will show its ugly face. Now, like an example, uh, I was talking to somebody, I sold a siding job coming up for the spring. And over the winter, we were talking about it. And I said, this is what I did back years ago in the late 90s to win my first two Golden Hammer Awards by a siding company, the manufacturer. And when I do it, when you put it down, I said, what could possibly happen if you don't nail correctly, you're going to start to see sag in between J channel. Because even though it's J channel, it's not siding, say we put it at the bottom. It's going to go in or it's going to go out or maybe both. It's going to do both. Yeah. And it's going to start to sag also. Right, right. Because right. what people usually do is I see them putting it up and they're putting spans of with vinyl siding, nailing 48 inches. You can't do that. So mm -hmm. siding has to be nailed every stud. Mm -hmm. And then from there, if you take the J channel, people put J channel up and that J channel, if you have a long span of it, if you're only putting one or two nails in it over time, that vinyl is going to start to sag. Mm -hmm. that's the fact it's going to happen but these are the things i'm talking about that's why i wanted to see during the job and then there was another one a brand new company that would start it up and same thing they're just misleading the public this is what i was talking to mike bannon i sent him the emails how would you run interpret if I was going to look to use your company and I asked you how long you've been in business and you respond back 30 years experience, what would you think 30 years experience is? I'd want to see when the license was taken out. But the, 30 years experience could be, you know, I ran a pizza shop for 10 years. It's experience, right? And he may have had to build something in his pizza shop too. <laughs> I don't know. I would definitely check it out. Right. So here's how you check in the state of Pennsylvania. All right. I'm going to give everybody my secret. It's a once in a lifetime thing here, but here's how it works out. So you have a HICPA license number. And I was the probably the last guy back 12 years ago, I think it was 12, 13, 14 years now to get the license back then. Because I'm like, what do I need to get a license for? And it's, it's $51 that I'm paying. What are they going to do for me? So then my accountant said, hey, you know what? You got to get the license because it's if a way you're, to check somebody out. Yeah. Okay. And I was okay with that. So... I put my license number in and it's like 15,000 because there was 15,000 prior contractors in the state of Pennsylvania that registered before me and I had to get signed up in a six month period. Right. Well, I did it and I was one of the last ones. I get it. I'm 30 years experience coming in and then I asked him like the one I, I did on this uh, social media site, how long you've been in business? 30 plus years. I mean, it's a way of saying I got 10 guys that work three years. That's 30 years. But how you look that PA HICPA license number. If there are 179,001 something, whatever, they just got their license. If you're 180, you, you're within weeks you of want getting a license. You want a low number guy. You want a low yeah. number. Okay. And that's where you get it. But again, you can go what's called the resolution form because that's where I asked one of them. I said, well, listen, I'll check it out, but I need to see a little bit more information. And I'm going to ask about the resolution form. That's form number two in the state of Pennsylvania. So after I fill my license out, I pay the money, but it's a resolution form, which I have to fill out. Are you in bankruptcy? Have you ever filed for bankruptcy? Were you under a different name? Are you being sued now? 
and you have to check off all these boxes. Well, they ask all the right questions, yeah. If you remember, it was probably about a few weeks ago on the show, Nisi came on talking about her roofer. Right. Well, I was in court. I was sitting in the back very nicely that nobody knew I was there. That's how this guy got caught because Nisi was asking him the questions. Well, listen, it says here on your, your license that you never filed for bankruptcy. You were never convicted of a crime, never had another company, and it was all lies. So the judge said, well, if your guy had been convicted of a crime. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he was definitely convicted. Wow. And he admitted it in court, but in the state of Pennsylvania, shouldn't you lose your license if you're going to be lying? Because it says, I, if I'm it telling you. It seems to me, yeah, absolutely. Still doing business, though. Guy's still doing business in here. So that's how you check it out, is number one. Just check the license number. If it's really high, but if it's really high and he still says he's been in business, then you say, well, listen, I'm going to go back to this resolution form because maybe he has been, but we got to check now the resolution form should state, yes, I was how under How do people do name. all this stuff? So it's a contractor lookup in Pennsylvania. Say contractor license number lookup and it will pop right up, H-I-C-P-A. Google it. Google it. Absolutely. Okay. And a pop up or there's a telephone number there because I remember when Mike was on for the Bad Guy Bulletin in January of 2024, we were talking about how to look at it. And I said, well, the website really doesn't give you great information like if you put my name in without my license number because you don't know it you're not going to get anything it's not going to get anything but by law now in the state of pennsylvania if i'm going to do any advertising or like if my truck you go out and you look at my truck right now my license number's on there the contract has the license because the state tells me i need to do it so if i'm doing it by the books why are these other people not doing it by the books because they're scammers there's another reason simple explanation this was the greatest thing now here's and this is what i figured out years and years ago and i I remember mentioning it on the show for the past 11 years so the last guy was writing in and he thought he had the job we were going back about 20 different emails because he thought he had this job he has in his statement, I've been in business for 25 years. So that means I know that company started 25 years ago. So I said, great, send me your license number. And I just want to check it out because I think that's what you're supposed to do just to make sure. Well, it was a brand new company that just opened up in the past six months. It was a high number. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Right. So I dropped the bomb on him. And I said, well, listen, you've been in business for 25 years. The license number says you only had your business for the past six months. And I looked at your resolution form and there was no other companies prior to this. Also, just to confirm, can you send me any township where you worked? I need to know that township where I can call the license and inspections. And I want to be able to ask them to pull up an address where you applied for a permit, say in 1996, 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001. I'd never heard from him again. After 36 emails of him knowing he's got the job, as soon as I put that out there, never heard from him again. Mm -hmm. Who's going to police these bad contractors to scam the homeowners or trying to get a decent contractor they just lie about it and you can get away with it this started basically around the time we started doing the your valuable home show i came up with a great solution i as soon as this rolled out this license here's how you should do the license and this is the way you're going to prevent people from scamming people is that the contractors should put up a twenty thousand dollar bond to the state of pennsylvania Probably a lot of them don't have $20,000. Well, then that's going to be a problem, isn't right. it? But right. the reason why is that if you are a bad contractor and you scan somebody, that $20,000 is going out of your pocket to these people that you scammed. If it goes to court, got to go through trial. You got to go through all that. I get it. So he said, well, there's some problems with it. I'm like, no, there's no problems with it. Just do it. Because then you're kind of minimizing all this. Because over the past three years, you and I've seen with the horror stories calling in, the massive amount of problems more than any any other time that I've been doing business for 34 years. And when people are like, well, hey, listen, you know, I want to get out of the business. I was in it for 10 years. I'm like, perfect. Number one, the state it's going to make money interest on that. Think about all these contractors that need to put this money up. So the mm-hmm. state makes a ton of revenue. Say my company, listen, I'm getting a little bit older. I want to retire. I then apply for a petition with the state. Are you pulling money out? 
Yeah, and then I get my twenty thousand back. Yeah, just if they, putting up a bond. Yeah, but if, if you really messed up a job, you don't get your twenty uh, twenty grand back. You no, know, that money should go to the oh, homeowner. You get a portion of money back. Well, whatever the homeowner needs to get the job corrected. Right, exactly. But if I have no problems and ever the state checks out over like say three months, no lawsuits come in, they give them the money back. But the state just made a ton of money. If I'm in business for fifteen years, a twenty thousand dollar bond, they've got to be making they interest a, on that. So mm-hmm. if you have one hundred fifty thousand contractors that are doing this, how much money did you just bring in? So it's not your technical money, but you're making money on the interest as you invested as a state so it's a great revenue for the state and it minimizes i'm not saying it's going to be a perfect cure but it's going to be able to minimize the bad contractors coming in and scam you for your money mm-hmm. so those are the things that i always look at to talk uh, with homeowners to give them the best well, they make a money on it until they have to release it if a homeowner gets stung then Correct. they release the money yeah yeah then they release the money but mm-hmm. then it goes back to well if you still be in business you got to put some more money back up in mm-hmm. the state because you might do it again Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Because even if you lose your license, think about this. I'm a contractor. That's not a bad idea. I lose my license. I could use my wife's address or my wife's name or my cousin or my mm-hmm. brother and change the social security number. So these are all a lot of the scam ways that people do this and homeowners just don't know. But I can make it easy for you. If you have a problem, Kevin, at yourvaluablehome.net, let me answer the questions for you so you can hire the right contractor to do your job the correct way. You got a doozer of a horror story. You just sent me a picture here. This looks like my first roofing job. <laughs> yeah, I like your comment. You're like, what the heck is this? So for our listeners, I just got a picture sent in for one of our listeners who is a roofer and doing the job right. He sends me a picture and he says, what do you think about this? And that's why I figured you take a crack at it first. A homeowner just received a new roof. And as I'm looking at the picture, which we posted on our social media site... <laughs> When Ron asked me, he's like, what am I really looking at? When you're looking at it on our Instagram or Facebook, your valuable home, you're going to notice that the shingles and it's old cedar siding. So at that shingle mark there, that's painted gray, that's step flashing. Oh, is that old cedar? That's what that is. Okay. Yeah, it's old, very old stuff. So step flashing when it's installed, it's installed in pieces at each individual roofing shingle that's placed down above the key line, which is where you don't see. It's got to be a new piece of step flashing, which takes the wood and diverts it back outside the envelope of the house so it doesn't penetrate inside. So what the roofer was just recently done, as you could see, this gem of a roofer decided to put the step flashing on the outside of the siding. And Alex wrote into me, he said, hey, I thought you enjoy this. Uh, got a call for a water leak. Yeah. Any reasons, guess why, question mark. Basically, what they looked at is a wannabe new roofer because there's no possible way. I've never even seen this. I think once we did a show about this, somebody did this, putting the step flashing on the outside of siding. Now, Ryan, I'm, I'll take a guess. Where do you think that step flashing should be? Inside the siding. <laughs> You I mean, think, it's, right? It's not doing anything. It's well, it's collecting water very nicely. It's, yeah, but, but it's not protecting anything. No. So. Now, how it works is that when you have existing siding like this, and it does, it gets difficult for a roofer if not really into siding, they're just trying to sell roofing. How to properly do it is either you're going to have to cut a bottom of that portion of siding out. What you could do is a multi-tool, or I wouldn't say a reciprocating saw because it might get a little bit too difficult or chopped up, but I would use a multi-tool, should cut pretty easy, about three inches up, and then install all new flashing, and then I would put a piece of rubber over top of that existing so flashing. Can- and then put another board over top of that, maybe like a, a polymer board. Yeah. Or if you want to put like a two by four, then cap it. But what you'll need to do with the so cap. So you don't have to replicate the siding. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's basically, I always call it the stucco envelope when people have mm-hmm. stucco mm-hmm. and they really need that flashing replaced. Well, there's nobody to take the stucco off. Now, by doing it, it creates a little bit of an issue. But with this type of siding, this is a little bit more flexible. If you put wood up and then you cap it, you still need to get a drip cap up under there. So you have to be able to slide metal up under that siding and then use it as a drip cap. So it just drains properly. It's very simple to do for mm-hmm. roofers what i'm talking about it's easy but for homeowners getting a gist of it might get a little bit more difficult 
but there is no way you can put step flashing like this over because in this picture you'll notice between the siding and that step flashing any rain that hits that's water's leaking down inside the house and that's one of the reasons why as i'm reading this uh, the homeowner got a new roof because he was having water penetrate inside his house this doesn't fix it i'm convinced that this is not step flashing 101 no what's horrible about it is that it makes it more difficult now for this gentleman here alex who's going to come in to try to fix this it is a new roof so number one you can replace those shingles because they're going to be still fresh in their mind but they're going to have to replace it anyway because the spray paint they used to try to paint this see how it already leaked onto the shingle itself so why would you put a brand new roof up try to spray paint some step flashing and then have it blend all the way to the new roof so now you have a stained roof from gray paint (laughs) hiring the right contractor the right roofer to do the right job i mean how many times we talked about when you're getting a roof done i mean listen take some pictures have the roofer take pictures that's the only way to do it i mean nobody's would you go and i'm not going to go up my roof to see if if it's ever done right and it's the only way to do it but don't just take an isolated picture you've got to take a picture of the whole course of the step flashing don't you correct yeah yeah what you could even do it is to uh, have him take the picture don't have your customer go up there. No, yeah, well, you got to be safe. That's what you're hiring a roof for to yeah. get up there. But even still at that point, ice and weather shield is is such a beautiful thing. I mean, you could even cut that siding out three inches up or maybe a little bit more. Get ice and weather shield and try to get up under the siding. Just kind of just feather it in. You only need a little bit of to get up in there. Because the only reason I'm asking to do that is because if you just caulk, whether it's going to be a window, if it's like a cheap installation, a replacement, caulk doesn't solve the problems. It's a temporary fix to get the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal here is that roofer should have gave a couple options. Number one, hey, listen, we have some issues with that siding. Uh, we're not going to be able to address it, but uh, maybe we can do this way, this way, or this way, which is number one, strip all the siding down and put a new underlayment up. You're going to get a great job. No problems. Number two is you don't have the money to do it. It is leaking. Let's cut some of the siding back so we can expose the step flashing run some ice and weather shield up then put new flashing down then put another layer of rubber over top of that just to ensure it but to try to get something under the siding even if it's a quarter inch because of hard driving rain as it gets in there i always use the terms of what's called a riglet flashing now what that means is that if you have a chimney you're not just moving this piece of metal and you put a flare cap on and just throwing wads of caulk in it and thinking it's going to help because all it is is protecting from that step flashing is that big wad of caulk riglet is actually cutting it into the brick or the stone face that's there to get the metal into that stone right so now it doesn't have an an option of water just getting in when the sealant fails Mm -hmm. and if you don't do that from the beginning or do this job you're going to have a problem from here on out because that's going to have a problem next day after this is done pretty much as you can see it's a brand new roof and uh this company was called out and alex had to go and uh, pretty much fix it but i like to get him on anyway he's been very busy with all the storms we've been having here and trying to get everybody cleaned up and get everybody watertight but i'd like to have him back on to see exactly what he did so we can take the picture to show how a roofing job is done and done right yeah this is not done right this is not done right (laughs) it's a disgrace to see something like this because now that homeowner has got to now pay money to get this redone listen if your roofer is not explaining to you really in detail of what they're going to be doing because of seeing this if they're just signing up as a contract you ought to be asking a lot more questions than this if you have a leak ask why the leak is happening why is it coming into my house maybe go prior to signing the contract or if you sign the contract say hey listen show me the before pictures because i want to see exactly what you can do before and after and how you're going to solve it to me that's the solution to this problem just have the guy take pictures every step of the way along the roof it's a cell phone picture takes you what a minute to do all that not even that you know it's not a big deal and you're gonna have a lifetime of problem free when you do it right i mean i see i don't understand how these roofers i mean i I did roofing back from 89 to 96 when i was doing it why is it i never had problems and now everybody else i mean there's everybody's a contractor and they're doing jobs like this and then the homeowners are getting caught in the bottom end is because they got to pay for all this to get redone 
So hiring somebody that's going to be reputable, somebody that you know, somebody that's going to do the right job and make these extra steps, it doesn't take much to do it and you're never going to have a problem. Okay, and listen, stick with us. Talk about people doing things right. Freedom Mill Work. They're in Pennsylvania, and we've got a story coming up. Involved my godson's parents' house. They did their kitchen over, stayed largely in the same footprint, and instead of replacing cabinets, which would have been a fortune, they had their cabinets refinished and new doors put on. And this company, Freedom Millwork, did an outstanding job. You're going to hear about that coming up. All right, we'll be back after we take a quick break. Hey, Kev, we can never, ever heap enough praise on Provia products, like, say, their metal roofing. That's right. Provia Metal Roof replicates the classic look of cedar shake, quarried slate, and clay tile. Manufactured with 26-gauge galvanized steel and designed to withstand damaging hail, torrential rains, intense UV rays, and strong winds, a Provia Metal Roof is the last roof you'll ever need. With your roof covering 60% of your home's exterior, you'll appreciate the value of a Provia highly aesthetic metal roof that improves your home's curb appeal, provides 50 plus years of protection, requires little to no maintenance, and generates energy cost savings. And Provia's metal shake, slate, and barrel tile roof systems are made right here in the USA with domestically sourced steel, a portion of which is high quality recycled steel. Hey, Ryan, that is time for the featured segment. I believe we're going back to the contracting world, the college segment, talking about kitchens, correct? What we're talking about today is cabinets are not inexpensive. Replacing your <laughs> kitchen true. cabinets. On a recent visit to my godson and his parents, I walked into their renovated kitchen and was taken back by the look of the cabinets. I said, whoa, these new cabinets are absolutely gorgeous. Well, they weren't new cabinets. I was amazed to learn that only the doors and hardware of the cabinets were new and the cabinet bodies were painted to match the new doors. I asked for the name of the company that did the work and called their CEO. And here he is, Herb Benjamin, CEO of Freedom Millwork and Finishing in Bucks County, PA. Herb, welcome to your valuable home. Before we get into the specifics of today's feature, your company has three distinct parts, right? Can you brief us on them? First of all, thank you guys for having me. I love what you do. I've listened to a number of the podcasts and I find them extremely informative. So uh, appreciate you uh, including us in that. Actually, Freedom Millwork is the parent company. So we have a couple of different divisions. One handles our finishing and that's primarily what I think you want to talk about today. But there's also interaction. We do custom cabinetries. We sell windows. We sell interior. We build our own interior doors, moldings, trim work. And we have a whole design studio showroom and designers that work with customers, whether it's kitchens or custom cabinetry. In the finishing operation, about uh, three years ago, we purchased a finishing company and our finishing operation actually has three separate groups. One is finishing for custom cabinetry that we or other builders may produce. We'll put a furniture grade finish on that. The second is kitchen refinishing, which is what we're talking about in this case. And the third is we have a guy who's kind of an artist that goes in and fixes heirloom furniture. He'll make something look like new, whether somebody put a hot plate on grandma's old antique table and it blistered, he'll go out and he'll fix it, make it look like new. So we do touch up work as well. So the project I'm speaking of so highly was uh, largely the work of the finishing arm of your company, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's absolutely magnificent. How about the new doors? Because there are new doors put on the main part of the kitchen, not this sort of anteroom off the kitchen. Were they made by the millwork group in your company? 
That's absolutely correct. So in this case, not only was it finishing that had to be done, but there was some extra cabinetry. There was some new crown molding that was going to be put up. So it was a whole new look to the existing kitchen. And we get our custom cabinetry group that would take care of the moldings, that would take care of the doors. Then it goes back to the finishing operation. They would finish it and go out and spray the boxes in the kitchen as well. How do you do that? Because the anteroom off the kitchen, I understand it was sprayed on the spot. How do you do that and keep it clean? We have guys set up. They tape off everything other than the parts that are going to be painted. So it's basically a day job. They'll come in, they'll tape, and then they'll go back the next day and spray just the parts that need to be sprayed in the same color. But everything is sprayed. It's not brushed on. There's a difference. We use a furniture-grade paint on all our cabinetry, and it's not a latex paint. It's a conversion varnish paint. It's amazing. It looks almost like it's baked on. That's it. It sets up quickly and it's got a lot of hardness to it. In essence, these conversion varnishes are very, very durable paints. They're hard to chip. They're hard. I mean, you can still do normal wear and tear, but in general, it's a much more durable finish than a latex paint. There was a paint manufacturer named on your site. Is that who you're talking about? The name of the company is Worth, W-U-R-T-H. We do use Worth Paint primarily for this. On our website, you'll also see Farrow and Ball. We're one of only a couple hundred distributors in the United States who carry Farrow and Ball products. We can do furniture in Farrow and Ball. Typically, it's the type of paint that a designer would specify either interior, exterior. We're one of very few companies that can actually uh, paint furniture with it. Yeah, it's magnificent. I didn't know the name of the paint that was on there, but Farrow and Ball, I believe, is a British company, isn't it? It's correct. It's a British company. The doors were made by your millwork group in your company. How long does that process take? If a customer wants to change the doors as well as just the painting, we would send somebody, not our finishing group, we would send somebody from the custom group out. They would measure all the doors, decide on the style. That's the big thing. What style do you want? Get the sizes of the doors. We would then build the doors. And when we build the doors, we typically will change out the hardware. So if we're capable of doing that, most of the older kitchens don't have soft close hardware. If it's a drawer, a lot of the drawers don't have soft close glides. If we can change that, there's some boxes that you can't do that with. But in general, if you can change to soft close glides, we do that. And certainly we use soft close hinges. So that whole process, depending on how busy we are, could be from the time we measure to the time it's complete about two weeks it's nice turnaround time if you were to order new cabinets it wouldn't be two weeks it would be two months or so wouldn't it six to eight weeks if you ordered all new cabinets what's nice about this is it's really a relatively simple process you're just building doors and drawer fronts we can build them if they're all the same we can kind of get some economies of scale when we're building and in this case that we're talking about wasn't there a slight change in footprint of the cabinets too there was. So again, that's why we needed to get our custom group in there. Anytime we're changing sizes, anytime we're changing the dimensions, it's not going to be the guys who just go out and finish. As their name implies, they just go out, they'll take everything apart, they'll finish it, they'll put it all back together. But when we get into wanting to upgrade a little bit more, at least we have that in-house, those capabilities. We don't have to go someplace else. Our customers have the ability to upgrade like that. What would be the relative cost of doing new cabinets in the same footprint versus what you did? 
If you're looking at a new kitchen, there's so many variables in that. For a very small kitchen to go to good plywood cabinets, soft closed doors and drawers, but you're going to be limited in colors. You're going to be limited in door styles if we do a stock kitchen. But that's going to run you anywhere from seven, dollars $8,000 range, and you can go all the way up to $35,000, $40,000 for a brand new kitchen. All new cabinets, everything but the countertops. That's not blowing them away. I think that's a very reasonable cost. Yeah. yeah. That's using the same for the old footprint, right? Whatever footprint you want. I mean, if you're going to be changing out all the cabinets, you can change the design and the footprint of the kitchen any way you want it. You just have to be wary of plumbing and electrical that are already in place. The nice part about getting new cabinets is you can change the layout. Versus the way you do it with the new doors and the paint. If you went with just refinishing the kitchen as is, you don't change the doors, you don't change anything. It's just that we come out, do our process. That would probably run you on the low end of about 5K up to about 10K for a relatively big kitchen with a lot of doors and drawers. If you want to go above that 5 to 10K and you want to change out your doors, as a rule of thumb, you can use about $200 per door or drawer as an adder to whatever it is. So if let's say you have a medium-sized kitchen and you want to budget seven dollars or $8,000 for that, I would add up all the doors and drawers and add on about $200 per slab. These are pretty reasonable costs. I'm surprised. I really am surprised. So this is a good thing for somebody to consider. If somebody's got mid-range cabinets, which aren't bad, would you suggest doing those over and just doing the doors over and then painting everything? I would certainly recommend that over completely blowing up your kitchen and starting from scratch. The only time I would recommend that is you really want to change the layout of the kitchen. The flow just isn't right. You buy a house, you're in it for a couple of years, you realize this is not the way we want to do things. We want to move the refrigerator, we want to move the oven. If you're going to do that, then yes, blow up the kitchen. If it's getting dated and you want something very new, we want to change our refrigerator, then I would say start from scratch, get a designer in, talk about your wish list and pick out the right kitchen for you. But if you like the layout of your kitchen, your cabinets serve a purpose, you've got a place for everything, then I would say refurbish the kitchen. A lot of these 15, 20, 30-year-old kitchens are dated. They have, we see a lot of archtop upper cabinets that are, you know, 1980s look. And people want to change those. They either want to go to a regular shaker, one panel shaker, maybe a little bit of a raised panel. You know, what's hot right now is the slim shaker. So it's got a very slim outline on the outside as opposed to, let's say, a two-inch edge. So there's lots of different styles. People want to get away from one color to another color. They're, they're bored with what the colors are, and they might want to change it for that reason. And Shaker, I mean, if you choose Shaker, Shaker's been around for hundreds of years, and it's back again. I mean, it's a style that never goes out of style. So th- that would be a smart way to go, wouldn't it? In our mind, Yes. <laughs> Do you ever get into a conversation with homeowners if you put a new kitchen in, refurbishment versus new cabinets? No, most of the time, probably 99% of my jobs are removing walls. And so you're changing everything around. Yeah, the yeah. footprint's getting okay. completely changed. Right. You can't start from that. Everything's got to be redone because where your sink locations, what Herb was talking about, trying to keep inside the envelope is different than if you're redoing it. You're taking a wall out, the plumbing's going to move, the electric's going to move, the appliances are going to move. So there's a lot more involved into what we need a to do. A whole with big the deal. Yes. Yeah. Between the home runs, the new codes for the electric that we need to do, we're just running all new electric at that point. So at that point, you're getting the blow up price, which means we're ripping everything out and restarting it. But it gives you a lot more availability 
badly if you want to change like certain drawers like a three drawer base if there's nothing there now just for extra storage it gives you a little bit more on that end but if you're staying with inside the envelope these are extremely reasonable prices to work oh with. yeah absolutely so it's the, the answer to the question is it would make sense if you've got mid-range cabinets and they're not all beat up and they've been in the house for 20 some years it would make sense to refurbish them this way correct yeah, absolutely. It makes sense to refurbish those cabinets if there's nothing wrong with it. And for a very nominal charge, you can get a totally different look. When I talk to customers and they're talking about changing cabinets, my comment is when you walk in there, it's going to be like you have a new kitchen every time you look at it because you're not seeing just a color on the old cabinets. You're seeing a totally different style. Well, that's the way I felt the night I walked into my godson's parents' house, and it was just like astounding. I had been there many times before. They just bought the house about a year or so ago. I moved out of a big house, and it was the old oak look. It just took my breath away because it was totally new, very modern look. And it had the floors done, too, and it all goes together. It was phenomenal. So this is something I would definitely do it. It's not a bad plan. What is your market area? Because of the custom millwork we do and some of the unique things we can do, we've done work on projects in the Hamptons. We do a lot of work in New York City. We do work in the Princeton area if we go into Jersey. But I'm going to say our primary trading area is Bucks County. And if you take Doylestown as an example, about a 50-mile radius around there. So that puts us into central to south Jersey in south of Philadelphia, in the city of Philadelphia, and up to the Lehigh Valley. Do you work with design? Designers a lot too. We work with a lot of designers. We're just about to rebrand our showroom and calling it 6209 Design. And it's primarily to attract designers, architects, and homeowners. In the past, we've been open about nine and a half years. In the past, we've dealt primarily with the professional trade. We want to open that up more towards retail. And to do that, we have created a beautiful new showroom where we showcase all our custom cabinetry, our stock cabinetry, and all the things that you can think of that we can do. We'll be showcasing at 6209 Design. So you have stock cabinetry too? Sure. So we, you know, and that's when we were talking about if you were replacing your kitchen, we do everything from, again, low end. We get people who, and when I say low end, I don't mean inferior cabinets, but just you're limited in the colors, you're limited in the styles you get. Without mentioning brands, we carry a couple lines of that. That's for people who have rental apartments, student housing, people that want to flip that they're not going to be living in there. We have a mid-range. You can get a lot more wood species. You have a lot more complexity, but it's not full frame. We also carry a full frame line that is more high end. And then if somebody really wants to get into a full blown custom kitchen, we build that in house. What's the bulk of your business? Is it custom kitchens or is it uh, some of the other things you've been talking about? Custom kitchens, we probably build about one a month or so of true custom kitchens, but we will build bookcases, we build wine cellars, anything that you can kind of design in wood, we would build it. Did my godson's parents, did they come to your showroom or did your guys come out with samples to show them? In this case, it started with our finishing people. They went out and talked to your godson's parents about the process. They also brought some samples of door styles out there with them. They did not, in this case, come to the showroom. And I think they have a shaker look, don't they? Correct. Yes. And then they updated the crown. They went to a different crown molding around there to give it a more updated look. Yeah, which is very striking, as a matter of fact. So, well, I'll tell you, I think you do magnificent work. How do people get in touch with you? Well, if you want to go on the website, it's freedommillwork.net. 
feel free to go on the website. There is a contact page. If there's any questions anybody has, we got a lot of inquiries that way. Someone will be back in touch with anybody within 24 hours or so. Great interview, a lot of really good information and a good solution for a lot of people, I think, here, Kevin. Absolutely. The way that inflation's been going, that uh, it's been slowing up a little bit. You say that what you try to do is you give people a target date and you want to get in and out of the house because you're disrupting the whole family, right? This is a way to get in and out of the house like real fast. Of course, you have to wait for the new countertop to come in. That'll take a little bit longer. It's about a week. Yeah, about a week. Most companies from template. Let me just clarify one thing. The process of building the doors and the drawer fronts is a couple week process, but that gets handled in the background. The whole process for redoing the kitchen is about 10 days. We come out on day one, we take everything off. We take the doors and drawer fronts off, bring it back to the shop. Now, it is quicker if you get new door and drawer fronts, but if you were to do everything in place, the maximum length of time is about 10 days. We pick everything up, bring it back to the shop, prep it, paint it. That process would take about a week, and then it's three days on site. One day to tape, one day to spray, one day to reassemble. Between this, the cost, the style, everything, it's a no-brainer. It's the way you go. I mean, if, if you're not going to change your footprint, this is the way you have to go. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, I yeah. like that. I appreciate it. Ron, Kevin, thank you very much. It was my pleasure, and be happy to be on anytime you guys want. Remember the name Provia, your single source for professional-class entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone and metal roofing, products made with latest technology and honest old-world craftsmanship, the Provia way. That's this week's podcast. If you want us to share your home improvement project or horror story, email me at kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. That's kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. And don't forget to tell your friends and family about Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast that's all about building wealth in residential real estate and hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. 